Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about game subscription services. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. And if you've been keeping up with, you know, new games and new releases, one of the bigger releases over the past uh, weekend was The Outer Worlds, developed by Obsidian and published by, not Microsoft, but somebody else, but it's on the Microsoft Store, because Microsoft bought Obsidian this year. <coughs> and you might look at the price tag and see 60 bucks. Oh, that's normal, right? I've seen a $60 price tag on games like this before. Very straightforward. However, and interestingly, there is also another way that you can play the outer uh, worlds at a less than 10% price point uh, than that $60 one. For five bucks a month, you can buy something called the Xbox Games Pass or whatever it's called. Uh, and it will give you access to not only Outer Worlds, but a ton of other games like Dishonored 2 or, you know, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War or whatever. That, Off confused know, with Outer Worlds title, Outer Wilds is also on the Xbox Game Pass. Exactly, <laughs> right? Uh, so it seems as though we might be in a, in a position uh, to talk uh a little bit about that new model because it's not just microsoft that's putting this out for the outer worlds it's also apple arcade coming out um full disclosure a game that i uh have plugged on this podcast and that i work on mutazione is available on the apple arcade um humble bundle is coming out with their own service uh, or has already i don't even know when they're so they um, humble yet. bundle has had a service for a while i'm subscribed to it but it doesn't work well they have a trove which is works kind of like this, but it's the kind of premier level is that each month you have it, you get um, a copy of those games on uh, of several games on Steam. So it's more kind of like say Audible, which gives you a credit each month, and you can pick a book. This is slightly different. Oh, it's, gotcha, it, gotcha. Yeah, it, see, it's this set games, me. but you get it, but you get them permanently. So if you stop doing it, you don't lose them. Yeah, there have been other services that are like that, like the Xbox Live. Uh, used to do that with certain titles, like every month. PS4 also does this, this like, is, yeah. like PS4 Pro or whatever. Like every month, you'll be able to pick something up um, and uh, and download it uh, for free. And I guess we're now at the point where we are kind of at the natural sort of next break point after that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I think that does make sense. I, I don't think that these types of services will die anytime soon, but the, the, the kind of get to play it for as long as you want as long as you have a subscription is uh is here to stay that's actually how the nintendo like when you buy the nintendo internet service you get like access to a library of classic titles like nes games um and that's contingent upon your su subscription being maintained but it's basically the same thing so yeah i agree with you uh I guess I should probably mention this, given the name of Nintendo. I have money in Nintendo. So, uh, you know, hashtag not sponsored, but potentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the interesting thing for me uh, is that I feel, I mean, it's 10 years later since we've, since we've been in college. Um, but uh, I feel like I was in this sort of position much much earlier because i was a member of gamefly do you remember gamefly i do 
Yeah, Gamefly was the, like, it was the Netflix of games, but, like, the OG Netflix of games, which is, like, you paid your 15 bucks a month. I think it was more than that. I think it was, like, 20 or 25 bucks a month. Um, and they would send you the, the game discs in the way that the old, old Netflix used to send you the DVDs of whatever it is you received. And that's actually, I mean, I love Gamefly, and I... <laughs> I almost, like, sort of wish I was still subscribed to the service, even though I wouldn't ever use it in, like, the modern era. Just because of, like, how important Gamefly was as a broke college student to being able to play, like, all of those games. Like, right, they right came around right at the, like, the mid-2000s, right? Like, you know, Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2, Deus Ex Human Revolution, Dishonored, all of these are, like, the titles that you know, you can pop in and out with, uh, with Gamefly. And that was their service, you know, 10 years ago. They also did have a, um, they had a, a service like this one, but it was like bad, you know what I mean? Like, cause the only games that they could get licensed for were like the old heroes of might and magic titles and just like offshoot games that just nobody, like nobody would care about or, or play. So there's certainly a, uh, there's certainly like a precedent here. Uh, when it comes to, you know, when it, it when it when it comes to this model, um. yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, what 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 services do you do, do you have, buddy? So I so here here's part of the thing that I find interesting. Right, the first service I have is a WoW subscription. Right, fair. How similar is a WoW subscription? to one of these game passes and if i might be so bold right like what what is the what does that have to say about like the wow subscription sort of like mindset right like because this is something we talked about a lot in our sort of like wow destiny episode <coughs> like hypothetically speaking players of world of warcraft are entitled to more content in a way um, because they are regularly paying into the service, right? Over the two years that BFA will be live, I will have paid in 24 times, right? A, a you know, 10, 10, 12 bucks, 24 times or whatever. That's a lot of money that theoretically guarantees me a lot of content, right? But now we're in a position where for five bucks a month with the Xbox Game Pass, I mean, there is no way that the amount of content in World of Warcraft, as prestigious as, you know, it as this top flight MMO, right, flagship product for Blizzard, it's been around for 15 years with all of that history. There's just like no way in hell that the amount of content in World of Warcraft can equal the amount of content in the Xbox Game Pass or any of these, any of the other like Game Pass services, right? Like Apple Arcade or anything along those kinds of lines, right? Like those, when you take all of those pieces together together, and you just like bundle them up, it's going to be so much harder to kind of like compete on like a value level. And maybe that's not really what matters. Like maybe if you're a World of Warcraft player, it is, it, it's kind of like saying you love ketchup and there's a great deal on mustard. Well, you know, I, I I don't like mustard. I like ketchup sort of thing. Okay, fair enough, right? But, like, on a pure dollar-for-dollar dollar basis, right, like, that's a really, I think, interesting proposition. Because before, in the olden days, right, in the $60, you know, $60 a game days, you, I feel like the the value proposition would be on the the World of Warcraft side, right? Like, that you are paying into WoW less than you are paying into, you know, Fallout New Vegas, Deus Ex Human Revolution, Mass Effect 2, 
and Dishonored all coming out in the same, you know, year or whatever, right? Demanding these, like, these 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 sorts of price tags. Um, now, when, and it's not even just, like, old games, right? Like, obviously, Shadow of War, which came out two years ago, is on the Xbox Game Pass. But on the EA Origins premiere list, I can get Anthem on day of release. On deck before on, day of release. Like yeah, the- exactly. And then on the Xbox Game Pass... I can get the Outer Worlds the day of release, right? So, yep. Um, so one one thing I do want to correct before we get too far into this is the um, Xbox Game Pass is the Ultimate Game Pass is fifteen dollars a month, not five. It's five for the Xbox Live Gold subscription. That only gets you the two free titles a month, I believe. Um, so just to, to kind of correct that for a second, although it is. There is currently you, you you can do a demo for a dollar for the first month, so you know whatever that equals out to. But um, it's still kind of it's the same price as a WoW subscription, and you get access to over 100 high quality games for one low monthly price. Um, and that it does include some of these kind of uh, very high high caliber, um, highly anticipated games, including like some of some of the. Uh, uh, highly anticipated or like some like xbox versions like sea of thieves is in there um uh like halo wars is in there if you were a big fan of that game i guess um but there's and in crackdown 3 right like a, a lot of the i think gears 5 is also in there yeah, yeah it is Gears 5 is also in there which um, is because like i love oh, gears and Imperator to rome actually i played all three of the uh i played all three of the gears 4 games uh with friends like that was a ton of fun Gears 5 comes out, and it's like, oh, man, I love those Gears games, but, like, you know, they're only good for 10 hours or whatever. Well, all of a sudden, that 10 hours is a lot more accessible when you, me, and five of our other friends are all sitting on an Xbox Game Pass, and we've basically finished with our time with the Outer Worlds, and it's like, well, what else is there to offer, right? And now you can look at the Crackdown 3s and the Gears of War 5s and, you know, and the Imperator Realms. They have a lot of the Paradox titles in there, but I have a... I have a feeling that it must be like the base game or something because like, like Paradox makes all their money off the DLCs. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we're gonna get CK three with uh, with the Ultimate Game Pass. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Oh my um, god, we actually didn't talk about CK three, which got announced like two weeks ago. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I do wonder a little bit because like you know, in a certain sense, Paradox is a lot like Blizzard in a way that it that it feels like they are focusing towards games that you that have heavy replayability in a sort of not live service model but like in a more service kind of model yeah um, well, with periodic dlc it's kind of almost like uh like like destiny in that way right? yeah yeah um, uh and so i you know like how soon before there is a paradox pass and it gets you all the D- you know what i mean like it gets you all the dlc that comes out for those games right like we have evangelized for certain for certain games um, in our libraries before, I would absolutely get a Total War Pass to get all of the DLC for Warhammer 2 or something for 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 cheap. Um, and so, in a certain sense, like, I almost kind of wonder how much of an implosion this stuff will, uh, that, you know what I mean? Like, that this stuff will, like, trickle down. Does that make yeah, sense? I, I don't see it kind of trickling down to, like, the individual, like... Paradox, maybe just because, like, in addition to their grand strategy games, you also have, like, Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, there's, like, that Magicka. There's two or three of them. There's They have a bunch of studios besides just the stuff that, that we, t- we like to talk about. So you could, I think, make a case for that. Um, like, it, I think it just makes sense at the publisher level, although I'm not convinced it's going to make sense at, like, any publisher level that isn't, like, a big publisher, like an EA. Um, 
or like a assistant provider like Microsoft, right? Like, um, I just don't think they produce games fat. Like, I don't think Creative Assembly can do one because I don't know if we're going to get enough content out for people to justify keeping that pass up. Um, I think they'd rather just kind of uh, get it with the get it at the time. And if they offer, I mean, the easy thing here to say is like, well, you do what, what you're currently doing with the Xbox Game Pass is you offer it dually, right? Like, you can either buy it directly. Or you can get the Game Pass, or both, actually. There's a little button to buy the Outer Worlds permanently, even if you're on Game Pass. Um, uh, uh, and maybe that kind of, like, splits the difference there. But I think that that kind of thing only makes sense at the publisher level. Um, uh, I just don't think that, uh, like, like I could see Sega doing it. And Sega publishes the Total War games. But, like, I, I just don't think that individual studios produce enough content to really justify that outside of kind of the sub MMO model, um, which is kind of like an anomaly and always kind of has been right. Like um, a lot of MMOs nowadays are, are basically f- free to play or like buy to play or free to play with microtransactions. And even, even the sub models MMOs now have microtransactions in them. So I wonder, I, I could, I could see Blizzard doing something like, with your WoW subscription, like it's like a your WoW subscription is the same price, but it's basically a, a, a WoW a, an Activision subscription, right? Like you just kind of get access to all the games under the under under the subscription. Um, and uh, I don't know if this is still true, but I know that like maybe ten or fifteen years ago, um, PC Gamer put out an article about how of the fifteen dollars you were paying for your WoW subscription, approximately ten of it was in excess of kind of the, the costs of maintaining the game um, per person, right? So I think they could do that, right? Like you could you could, you could could do like a get access to all the Blizzard games in the launcher for, you know, $15 a month, and that includes WoW. Um, I mean, they're already kind yeah, of I moving mean, in that direction, point, right? Because you many, get... So Hots, uh, Hearthstone, and StarCraft II are all free to play. Diablo, uh, any of the StarCraft II, like, campaigns, I think, are... And um, uh, and Overwatch, you have to pay to pay to play, uh, and also I guess the remastered stuff you also have to pay to play. I guess I just have this, yeah. So the remastered stuff you would have to you would have to sort of like buy into. I wonder how effective that would be though, right? Like imagine a thing, and but it, it like it gives you kind of crossover power in a way, right? Like it's fifteen dollars a month, and it's your WoW subscription. You know, <clears throat> it gets you right like. Uh, it gets you 10 Hearthstone packs a month or something like that, right? Um, or it kind of, like, bundles the big pre, pre-launch, pre uh, like, pre-expansion bundles into into that. So you get to, you know... As soon as the new, as soon as the new expansion comes out, you have a bunch of you have a bunch of free packs for you in Hearthstone, right? Or in Heroes of the Storm, which also has like a kind of like loot crate sort of design, right? You're constantly racking up these these loot crates, and it's like, oh well, you know, I might as well install Heroes to crack open those loot crates and see what I get, sort of thing. And all of a sudden, you kind of have this sort of like cross promotional. Uh, aspect to 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 the whole thing right where you're trying to transition your wow players in their downtime into hearthstone players into hots players into you know diablo players and just cycle them cycle them all through do you know what i mean yeah i I, like um i i think not only that but like i think the key thing here is basically what you're doing is you're trading the one-time buy price for like essentially keeping wow players on 
in ruts when a lot of people cancel, right? Like I know that you play a ton, but I don't think everybody's like that. I think a lot of people kind of let it go. But if you have this kind of like benefit, I think that that could be very, very well positioned to 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 to, to grab that. And we, we're already kind of seeing the start of it, right? Like the your wow retail subscription gets you a wow classic subscription as well right yeah exactly and it functions in just the way that you right like the middle of august was a dead zone essentially for for retail uh world of warcraft retail right because it was after it was you know two or three months after a big patch had come out right and people had cleared through a lot of the content and, and people are still you know working on it and clearing it and doing whatever there's like the meta achieves there's plenty of reasons for people to like play world of warcraft obviously right but like people respond to the spikes in content releases um and so they released wow classic in the dead zone content release cycle of retail. And I kind of imagine that that sort of thing is going to continue on into, you know, like into the future, right? Like if you see a retail patch once every three months, which is about the cadence that they have uh, been on some patches being major content patches. And then they're the sort of medium patches in between or whatever, right? Like you might see once every month and a half is when they drop the new batch of, you know, world of Warcraft classic stuff. Yeah, no, um, yeah, and because you know, there's there's an expansion there, right? Like you could do a Burning Crusade server, a Wrath server. Um, like we said, you could just give access to some of these buy to play titles, right? Like you get remasters, you get Overwatch, like access to it, so long as you maintain your Wrath subscription. And I don't even think you have to like give these like little treats that you're talking about. Um, I think that would be helpful, but I think I think you could probably get away with just not giving anything besides like you know like. Uh, this, some shiny cosmetic or something rather than it being like a, a monthly thing. But I, I think it could work for Blizzard. Um, um, but uh, I mean, and I, you know, you know, it's funny. We're, we're not talking about what's probably the, the, the biggest one of all these, which, or at least the newest one, which is Stadia, right? Like um, Stadia, which is going to be a buy to play market, but it is kind of like, in some level, a service like this, you pay for access to essentially a machine in the cloud to play these games on. Um, I wonder, I wonder, hmm, like, so, sorry, just, just kind of wind it back to, 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 to my first question. Besides, wow, do you have any other of these subscription services? Yeah, so I had, well, actually, funnily enough, I canceled the Origin subscription service today. I got it for Anthem. And then I did that thing where you just forget about it or whatever. And then today I was looking into buying the Outer Wilds, and I saw the subscription service, and I was like, oh, fuck, I still have that one to Origin. So I went and canceled it, and I picked up the Game Pass uh, for uh, the Game Pass for Xbox. Um, and then I think I also have another one, like, by default uh, in the sense of Twitch Prime. So I'm an Amazon Prime member, which means I'm a Twitch Prime member, and Twitch Prime will also give you uh, – games for free out of the out of like the twitch prime service um so for instance <coughs> hashtag sponsored not sponsored um uh, a bunch of the akupara games will come up for free in uh in the twitch prime service like i think desert child goes free in february so if in in february if you are looking to pick up uh pick up games you can get you know one uh, you can at least get you can at least get the racer desert child then right. Um, plus, there's also like I think I picked up ukulele of all things out of my Twitch Prime sub. Um, like m- Twitch sort of does the thing where it's like 
low-level stuff that I don't really care about most of the time. Uh, but yeah, one one month it was ukulele, so that is that's that's what I pulled. Um, yeah, and then no, the absolutely. last one uh, that I was thinking about, um, but it just slipped my mind. I was just thinking about it. Uh, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, are, are, like, so just to, to, to round it out, I have I have Origin Axes. I think I paid for the year, so it's good until January of this year. I haven't really used it. I, I bought it because I figured I'd use it because it's got, like, Darksiders 3 in it, and I wanted to use it, but uh, I, I never went and did it. Um, but I have the Xbox Game Pass. I've had it for a while, and I've been using it for, like, for the Outer the outer wilds and outer worlds um and it's 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 fun right like i think i think it's definitely worth it um what else is there uh i've got uh, i have the xbox game pass which is um right that's why i just went over i have uh i have the humble monthly which has got me some really cool games um haven't played a ton of them but i definitely thought it was think it's worth it um, just for kind of the value you get out of it. It's a lot of older games that, like, you know, maybe you don't want to play right now, but I'm glad that I have, like, you know, if I ever decide to stop, I'll have, like, a ton of them around. Uh, like, this month, I think I get, like, Spyro and, uh, uh, and Modern Warfare, I want to say. Um, oh, my God, I have another one that I just thought of uh, that I remembered who it was, but keep going. Uh, no, I, I think, is that all that I have? Um, is that all that you have? Do you have Discord Nitro? That's my last one. I do not have, have Discord, Discord Nitro, Nitro, but I do have Twitch Prime. Um, uh, and Discord Nitro, they also like discontinued their library or something like that. So I don't really know what's up with Discord uh, Discord Nitro. Um, they released it, and I've been a member of Discord Nitro for the longest time, just because like it's it's in a lot of ways my top social network. Um, but uh, the it, I was looking for like the ability to use like animated gifs and shit like that. Um, because you just get like small perks like that kind of thing with with Nitro and um, or animated emoji. I'm sorry, and uh, and then they released a library that was a lot like the Xbox Game Pass sort of library. I think I picked up like Galactic Citizens three or something, which is just like you know, Galactic Citizens is very famously a, an incredibly or Galactic Civilizations three. Sorry, is famously an incredibly uh, complicated. Uh, strategy game kind of in the same vein that like you know civilization is complex but it is simple compared to europa universalis which is complex but very complicated galactic civilizations 3 has always been talked about in that kind of a complicated demeanor and i and i picked it up and i was like oh hey you know i've always wanted to see you know i've always wanted to see galactic civilizations what galactic civilizations 3 looks like let's give it a shot kind of thing uh yeah no i i definitely i definitely get that um i think i feel like that's kind of like that's that's why i picked like decided to look at outer wilds because i you know i i think i grabbed the xbox game pass like immediately when it came out because i thought it looked neat um and i already you know it was like a dollar for the trial i didn't know how long that was going to go on for um and so that just kind of lets you jump in and, and and do it which i think is it's a very cool kind of way to uh, kind of way to get into to games that you normally don't think so much about, um, but yeah. Um. So an interesting question I think on the line is how the hell are these systems profitable, right? Because we talk a lot, we talk a lot, and we hear a lot 
about how expensive it is to make and to play games. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I remember when games went from $50 to $60, which was in the mid 2000s. This is like 15 years ago and being like, wow, games are getting, you know, expensive. Um, but now we're looking at a world in which the, the, the hypothetical value inside of some of these systems is that you can be playing a dozen different games for 60 bucks a year, right? Or you probably more charitably, let's call it 120 bucks a year, right? As a, uh, uh, as a, as a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at, at that sort of like Xbox, uh, origin premiere kind of, kind of level. <coughs> yeah. I, I, I have to imagine that like the benefit you get there economically is that, um, you're never going to be playing more than any one of those games at the same time anyway and so like the cost to actually maintain it aren't super high and like maybe you just kind of like let it roll for a while right even if you're not using it all the time and um you know regardless of if you get like your your dollar amount worth out of it it's worth it to kind of drive other services right and like in the kind of way that like you know um I have, we, you know, we both have the Xbox Game Pass we're using essentially for the outer worlds at this point, but maybe when Halo Infinite comes out, right, it's like, oh, well, I already have the Game Pass, I might as well check it out, and maybe Halo Infinite has some microtransactions in it, maybe you really like Halo Infinite, and so you end up playing it a bunch, and then you end up throwing, you know, a couple bucks in there, which, where, you know, you might have never thrown any money into it at all, type of I deal. mean, that sounds a lot like what Blizzard does with, that, that was what Overwatch was, right, right, for a lot of people, I feel like. Um, in that, like, you know, the, people talked about the simultaneous release of Overwatch and, uh, and the other game Battle by, Right? Yeah, was Battle, it Battle Right? It was, uh, it was the one, like it was made by the Borderlands people. It was made by, it was made by 2K? Uh, no, not 2K, Gearbox. Gearbox, yeah, 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 whatever their game was called, I can't even remember off the, what was the, I'm just gonna look it up, Gearbox, Overwatch, clone <laughs> what they say. battleborn is what battleborn it's yeah um and to be fair you know the 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 battleborn uh overwatch similarities are not as deep as people have said um which you know like i don't i don't want to spread the misinformation that it is a clone it's just google literally put that up for me <laughs> like when i was when i was searching for it right but like battleborn famously imploded on launch both it and overwatch um were coming out right at the same time um and overwatch just absolutely blew battleborn out of the water right i remember a jim sterling episode a couple of weeks after battleborn's release talked about how he really enjoyed the game and he wanted to go back um and sort of play it because he had been playing a ton of overwatch um and he wanted to like and he had played it for the review and so it was like two or three months later and he wanted to go compare it to overwatch sort of like two or three months later um and he couldn't get match made games because there were so few people playing uh there were so few people playing the the title um and i would i here's my hypothesis when it comes to this i would bet you that the integrated nature of battle.net and the way in which people interact with diablo hearthstone starcraft world of warcraft 
was a huge, huge benefit for Blizzard in getting people into the door for Overwatch, right? Like, it's probably not the only thing. I'm sure it's a confluence of factors, right? Like, I'm not trying to make it out that the only thing is this kind of, uh, is like this kind of a, a, a sort of platform-based uh, model in that way. But you kind of can't argue that the platform-based model isn't really helpful in getting people to sort of pick up other sorts of things. Like, in a certain sense, you can do that with Steam, but, like, the Steam store has thousands upon thousands of titles, right? And it's, like, so much harder on Steam to to get, like, a consolidated storefront. Battle.net only has, you know, nine games listed on it. Two of which aren't, or I'm sorry, ten games listed on it. Two of which are Activision games. Um, and I think that there is, like, a real benefit to that consolidation when you are Blizzard releasing Overwatch, essentially. Yeah, no, I, I think, I, think I, uh, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think having the... Uh, having the, 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 the kind of launcher be, like... Super well curated helps with with, with that, um, and I think that like these kind of network effects um, are only strengthened kind of by this. Like, I, part of me wants to say that this is almost like the um, kind of like the console wars on on crack, right? Because not only are you buying into like the the I ecos- just saw that, yeah, no. Well, so I saw that take because someone basically said right that like in the nineties. There was a similar sort of uh, there was a similar sort of like price gap model, but you paid it all up front, right? It wasn't month to month. You just bought your Genesis or you bought your Super Nintendo, right? And that was what your kind of quote unquote subscription service was, because there was only the games that were going to be coming out from one or for, for one or the other, barring any you know that could that could sort of like split across the. Uh, uh, split across the platforms, but I think that that's you know it's a pretty cogent thing, right? Like when you are when you are opting into the subscription service, the license is kind of like the hardware was for the console wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. Um, especially especially now that like Microsoft is going cross platform a lot more intensely, right? Like than uh, than than. It has previously, which I, I have to imagine has something to do with the fact that they're essentially losing the the, the console war, right? Like, um, at least for the, the current generation, right? Like, um, but yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a lot deeper thought on that other than like this is just kind of another way to silo people into particular services, right? Like, are you an Xbox Game Pass person? Are you an EA Ultimate Access person? Um, yeah, and you know, and I wonder, like for instance, right now I live in a world where I have a lot of subscription services to a lot of things because I also have Netflix, right? I also have Netflix, Hulu, you know, uh, HBO or whatever, DC Universe. Um, so like, there is there's plenty of content out there that's like you know cut up, and and you'll see sometimes like little snarky tweets about this sort of thing where they add up all the different services and kind of compare it to your parents' cable bill, which is famously like a hundred dollars a month. And millennials always look at that and go, "Oh, how on earth could I ever pay for you know like that?" But you know when you when you add up all of these services, sort of like a la carte, you will eventually get um, to uh, 
you will eventually get to that like hundred dollar kind of uh, kind of a price point. But I think the thing that sets this stuff apart in a lot of ways is that platform exclusivity draw to it, right? Like if I'm spending a lot of time on Battle.net playing Hearthstone and World of Warcraft, it's a lot easier to opt me into the new Blizzard game, like Diablo Four or Overwatch Two or whatever else you know is is hypothetically coming. Um, because I am familiar and I have a, right, like, I have a huge list of friends. Right now, there are 30 people online on my Battle.net friends list of over 100 who are, you know, like, who are represented on that list. My Steam friends list is, like, 15 people, right? Most of which is just, like, a couple of my friends from college that we play, like, Stellaris with or whatever. So, like, the the, the community nexus that is Battle.net for me is much, much, much more robust than the community Netflix, uh, the, the community nexus of some of my other platforms, right? In Origin, I doubt I have more than 10 people. In Xbox, I think I only have you, Warren, and Nick, and Rachel, because we played Sea of Thieves together, right? And so, like, if we were to play Gears of War, all of a sudden it's kind of a lot harder to like bridge that gap to find a group of people to go play gears with me compared to uh the battle.net app where you know there's 30 other people online and maybe i see jimmy hops into an overwatch game and i can send him a, a tell and go hey man do you mind if i you know come in and play overwatch with you or something kind of along those lines and maybe when i put it in those sorts of terms it is the community value that makes like the biggest difference um, because like you can kind of, it, especially with some of these multiplayer games, like an overwatch sort of, sort of thing, because you're kind of like importing your game community into like into it, being able to pull people from the already established nexus into the new game. Like this just happened with retail and classic, right? Like I have a retail guild and we all picked up classic together and made a guild in Classic and had a community and a friend group in Classic where we were, you know, running dead mines and shit like that. And maybe that's, like, sort of the powerful effect of having all of this stuff sort of, like, linked on the one platform, one subscription uh, kind of service. Yeah, I also have to think that maybe this is also just trying to, like, capture those connections that are already there, right? Like, um, like obviously, you're a little bit different, but, like, Xbox Live is, like, a thing that, like, people of our generation grew up with, right? Like, you either on the PlayStation or on the Xbox. And so kind of activating those existing connections might be, uh, like, through something like this Game Pass might be the right way to do it, especially because, like, I don't know, I feel like the Xbox, like, like the the, the Blizzard kind of hub is, is relatively narrow. Um, it's, you know, definitely high priority, especially in terms of, like, super nerds or whatever. But, like, in terms of, like, you know, getting, you know, John Everyman that plays, like, maybe Madden to, like, connect back to its network and maybe check out the new Gears game. I think that's much more tenable on on uh, on Xbox simply because it, it, it is so broad-based, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I could pull, like, you know, I could pull you out into one of the other networks, and that's, like, low activation energy for you because you're, like, a dedicated nerd that likes to play video games. But, like, trying to capture somebody who's a little bit more casual and doesn't care, like, who, who's not going to pay for more than one service... I think that that's kind of what this what these types of passes help with a lot, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I have some friends. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are basically WoW only gamers, right? Um, they don't do 
they don't do anything but play World of Warcraft. And that's a, and that's increasingly a reality for people as we all kind of, like, become adults with responsibilities, right? It's a lot harder to sort of, like, play the new thing. Um, and, like, and obviously World of Warcraft isn't, you know, isn't a high-demand game in the same way uh, that other games can be sort of, like, high-demand games, right? Like, there are a lot of people who play World of Warcraft in, like, the, I log on for three hours a week to raid with my friends, right? And I'll you know, and when a big content drop happens, I'll play a lot then. But otherwise, it is you know, it's a very, very sort of slow burn uh, game for people, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, then, then there are other people who you know they have ten hours a week to dedicate to video games, and so one World of Warcraft subscription is what keeps them satiated while they fill the rest of their leisure time with other stuff. Um, and uh, and doing other things. I mean, when, when we put it in this kind of terms, really what it seems to suggest is that we're in an... Inte- I mean, we are, we are obviously, like, in an attention economy, but the attention economy is so skewed towards uh, attention that content is at a very high surplus and is therefore devalued, right? The Xbox yeah. Game Pass is kind of an admission that you won't play everything in the Xbox Game Pass. That's not really a realistic, you know, you're never going to watch everything on Netflix. You're never going to watch everything on, you know, Amazon Prime or whatever. You're you're never going to play all of your Steam games, even if you sort of like bought them, right? So there are just like so many more games than you will ever have bandwidth in on which to play them. Um, and that's maybe like the defining characteristic of uh the defining characteristic of like how we how we do this stuff yeah i i think just kind of part of this too just because like it, it popped into my head as you were saying it like part of these passes too are generally a discount on things not in the pass right so like if you know you want to play say i don't know what's a good example uh you know, Game Y, right? And Game Y isn't on, or is on like Steam and Good Old Games and on Xbox, right? But your Xbox Game Pass gives you 10% off all purchases on the Xbox store, right? Like, where are you going to buy it? You're going to buy it on the Xbox store, right? It doesn't make a difference to you. And to Microsoft, it makes a difference because you've just like, you know, like, yeah, they've cut their profit on it. But one, you're already paying their subscription fee. And two, You've bought it, you know, they got some profit out of it as opposed to zero as if you had gone and bought it on, on say, Steam. So on um, this kind of this this kind of customer capture, I guess is the best way to put it. It's basically a way, like, you know, you know, like I kind of alluded to before, it's, it's basically like the console wars, but in the software space. And that is not as bad as it was um, because the stores are all kind of interoperable on the multiplayer level, right? Like um, with the exception of maybe Stadia because it's got to do its weird cloud thing. But like, it's not like if you buy, uh, if you buy Imperator on Xbox Game Pass, you buy it on Steam. You can't, you can, you can play with each other across those, right? So it, they don't care. Um, and it's also just kind of like the weight of having the store, which is really light, right? Like I've I've been on this cast before and said that I don't understand why people are so aggravated about the Epic Game Store. Um, and I think that that still kind of holds true here. That like. This kind of like lets the consoles kind of capture segments of the market um, without having all the negative impacts of like having like three hundred dollar buy in into into a console. So from that perspective, I think it I think it, it really makes a lot of sense. It's kind of actually a, a win for a lot of customers, right? Like assuming that like 
most customers are going to pick up like pick one of these passes and play whatever's on that and maybe reach out for a particular game that's like exceptional or something like that mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i also think that there's a certain piece of it that's uh it, it's it's good for customers in in that it gives you sort of like the choice and the variety in a lot of ways that like it's not even about you're not you're not buying the Xbox Game Pass as a as a way to play everything, right? You're getting it as a way to kind of like find the choices for what you want, right? I don't watch everything on Netflix, but like I want to see the new episode of BoJack Horseman. So the, the similar thing is I don't want everything on the Xbox Game Pass, but I'm a big fan of the Halo universe and whatever 343 comes out with next is what I'll you know, like, is, 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 is what I'm going to, to play on the Xbox Game Pass, right? I mean, the same thing could, could be said as a... There are even ways in which, like, games that don't do well rebound because of this stuff, right? Like, imagine a Diablo 3 on launch, which was a really shitty... I, I think Diablo 3 was basically bad for the duration of... <coughs> it's base game until Reaper of Souls came out, um, or at least the pre-patch where they got rid of the real the real money auction house. I think the real money auction house really destroyed that game. Um, the uh, the ability of Blizzard to get people back in to play Diablo three people like us, you know what I mean? In for Reaper of Souls, I think has a lot to do with like the power of the platform. Right and how being kind of on the platform and tied to the platform in a certain way keeps you kind of like engaged and on board with some of this stuff, right? In a way that like I'm not on the Epic Game Store platform, right? And I don't play Fortnite, and so like even if Fortnite stuff is dominating my Twitter or whatever, like that stuff just in one ear out the other because it's just like not something I have any bandwidth to like pay attention to, right? Whereas you know all of the 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 wow leaks or whatever right like any incremental thing that comes out about a game i am passionate or i care about that's the stuff that i'm willing to kind of like focus on and kind of care about um and care for uh yeah no i uh, uh I, I think you're absolutely right i just, I just don't know what to if there's anything i do to... sort of wonder in a, in a certain sense like do you think that this is going to devalue games and titles so much as to sort of be like detrimental i think it's going to push them like so this this is a thing i think this is less a cause and more a symptom right okay we've we've already seen games kind of push more towards the games as a service type of model uh for for a lot of especially a lot of like the big name games and so this is just another thing kind of in that vein right Mm -hmm. like um right like Doing it like a subscription service kind of encourage like I think has been encouraged by the fact that a lot of games are games as a service and in kind of response will also push games to be more games as a service like. Um, and in that way, like not only will you see things like your typical microtransaction stuff, but like like we were talking about with the paradox titles, right? If you can get the base game in through one of these passes, but you have to buy all the DLC on top of it. Um, I like I think that that's like going to be a, a more viable model, right? Like you've already seen this basically with what Destiny Two did, right? Like Destiny Two is free to play, like it's basically free to play with paid with with paid content, and that's basically a subscription without a subscription fee, right? Like, um, in this kind of model, uh, and so like you know, 
adding des like destiny to like one of these passes that gets you like some nominal version of the content, right? Like you get like the like the the, the expansion price is part of it or whatever. I think would be something that wouldn't be so far out there. Um, but I, I do take your point. Out. Like, I don't think it'll devalue games. So, like I said, so much as push it towards alternate monetization methods, which is something they were going into their own way. I, th- I think it's. I don't think it's. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's I self reinforcing is basically the way I want to put it. Yeah, and I think that there's sort of like I I do sympathize quite a bit with like the this could really hurt sort of like the way games are designed, um, because I think the mobile space is like, you know, like I mean the the funny thing is is that uh, okay so like. This is sort of like intra. This is like intra game industry intrigue. Um, but like, mobile developers who make mobile products that you have never heard of are amazingly successful, right? And they're successful for like a wide variety of reasons, right? Um, but something that you'll hear pretty commonly is people who kind of move off of prestige products or, like, from prestige studios and into sort of, like, no-name mobile spaces will just, be like, be, like, way happier. This is, like, a completely worthless anecdote. But, yeah, like, they'll, they'll just be like, oh, my God, why did I, like, start making bullshit mobile games, like, way sooner or whatever? But the thing is, is that, like, the mobile game market has essentially kind of collapsed around the gotcha mechanics, right? Like, every, you can't make a successful mobile game that looks like, like... I mean, that even looks like a mobile game from... I don't know, like, you couldn't even make, like, something that would translate to a mobile experience well. Like, um, okay, imagine a very stereotypical Pokemon game, right? Like, that sort of thing just, like, never goes anywhere on, like, the mobile platform, right? Um, And you have kind of one of two options when it comes to that sort of thing. You can either tank your development costs through the floor in order to hit that mobile market without trouble right like you don't need to sell a lot in order to make your money back because you know this is this is uh, this is essentially the indie game studio business model right you only need to sell ten thousand copies to make a profit um because everything is just so cheap to make because you only have to you know your team is five people whatever right um but like the big mobile projects are things like candy crush Right, that or or you know, Clash of Clans or whatever, which like may be good games, but they are good games built around this particular sort of monetization mode, and you're not going to have players if you re- if you release something kind of like outside of that monetization mode, and that monetization mode really like forces bad aspects of game design onto you because you have to make your game free to play with all of these microtransactions sort of mechanics built into the progression of the game um, we're, we're basically back to the arcades right like yeah yeah right, you know it's, it's and it's i like think and, and i call that the worst case scenario right but it's honestly not the end of the fucking world when it comes to this sort of stuff um but um the uh the opposite, the, like the opposite end of that spectrum, I think, is honestly just that like games are expanding. Like we can't, we constantly talk about this, right? Like the market for people who play games keeps expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. Um, and as that happens, you actually don't need as much to be successful as you might have used to need. If that makes sense, uh, the best example I can think of here is that like people think of certain MMO projects uh, that are still going, but nobody ever talks about. Right? Like, I mean, I want to say Elder Scrolls Online here, but like 
Elder Scrolls Online is kind of in like this A minus category. You have like the big flagship MMOs, like WoW, Final Fantasy XIV, right? That everybody talks about, right? The, the, that that are in everybody's mind. Then you kind of have like the Star Wars, the Old Republic, which will come up from time to time, or like ESO, which will come up from time to time. And then you have some of these like bargain basement MMOs, and you're just like, what on earth? Who is like playing, you know, the Lord of the Rings Online game, or who is playing the DC Universe uh, MMO? title well the answer is plenty of people right those games are perfectly profitable but they don't need six million people to be profitable they need a hundred thousand or whatever the number is kind of thing um in order to like in order to get there and so in a certain sense like as as we were talking about the attention economy earlier we don't even have the attention economy to have the full scope of games anymore because there are just so many people who are constantly, constantly playing them, if that makes sense. Um, and you can – there are all of these, like, smaller tiers of success inside of these that people would never – you know, like, people would never expect, right? And, like – and there's stuff that we talk about all the time on this podcast. It's the exact same thing. The way that we talk about Paradox, right, if – if we were to be talking to people who were, you know, big on FPS games or whatever, and they're talking all about, like, Overwatch and Modern Warfare and stuff like that, they have probably never heard of, you know, Europa Universalis or, like, Stellaris. Maybe they heard of Crusader Kings because, like, you know, it came up in a video on YouTube or something like that, and somebody was like, oh, man, you can play the Game of Thrones whatever in this sort of thing right but like for the most part right like all of the 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 paradox games like like tyranny right like nobody nobody knows this stuff and we do because we are part of the small audience that makes it work and gets kind of and gets kind of the job done if that makes sense yeah yeah no i i think i think it absolutely does i mean this is the same thing like gaming has kind of like finally hit the stage where it's like the same thing as anything else right like you know Everybody watches like Game of Thrones and Monday Night Football, but like only some people watch. What's a good example? Uh, like uh, Barry, right? Like, and that's fine for that audience. And in the same kind of way, like, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm an adult, but like adults who are significantly older than me. <laughs> play video games, right? And they kind of like, you know, they're like, they're just kind of creeping there, right? The people that were like maybe in college uh, when we were, when we were kids, right? And so like, you know, like my, my boss's boss plays Fortnite, right? Like um, that was, and you know, like my old boss played Madden, right? And like, the, these are like very mainstream games, but they're like things that I never would have expected from an older person, right? Like I'm like, you're like basically as old as my dad was when I was a kid and he was like, what's a video game, right? Oh, so yeah. like, no, um, that so that is the story. You know how people talk about um, like farming simulator or like Euro Truck Simulator or whatever. That is apparently the story of those games. Is that they just skew super super old, which actually makes plenty of sense. Like my dad always hated video games um, because he sort of saw them as like bang bang shoot 'em ups. Uh, but then we started playing Sim. Like I showed him SimCity 2000, and all of a sudden he was playing insane amounts of SimCity because here was a, you know, like here was a game that appealed to his sensibilities in a way that, you know, the, the, the modern conception of a video game, which was whatever it was, Call of Duty, probably not at that time. It was like Halo at that time, but right. Like, you know, the, as he, as I moved his 
frame of context for what a game is away from Doom and Halo and onto SimCity and Civilization, all of a sudden he was a lot more interested in sort of, like, getting into it. Which I think makes a lot of sense. Like, that's a lot of... Um, that's kind of the same thing about how people have approached other properties, right? Like movies and television over time, right? Like if you if you want to think there's a certain amount of like movement from uh, the silent era to the studio system to, you know, like the Hayes Code to New Hollywood, it looks pretty sort of similar in the way that like movies ballooned in sort of their scope until they could kind of hit all quadrants if that makes sense yeah yeah no uh, uh, absolutely um yeah then and i think kind of in the same way you can talk about how like you know call of duty's a whatever game right like it's got its own set of things but like you know transformers makes a lot of money uh and you know yeah. it's, it's kind of in this in the same vein right like um yeah man I, don't, I, don't I can't know. wait until the I can't wait until the takes from like classic video game. You know, like Chris Metzen is gonna be like Fortnite isn't video games, and everyone's oh, gonna like dunk on him on Twitter. <laughs> uh, uh, are we even gonna have anybody like that? Like maybe like I could see Hideo I mean, this Kojima. Goes back to, yeah, this kind of goes back to our like auteurs episode. I think I think honestly. Um, because and this is you know this is part of the sort of like the technical side of games because games have been <sighs> trying to I'm trying to think like because games are sort of this hybrid of like the entertainment industry and the tech industry the tech industry side of that wants to be sort of like very forward thinking in a lot of ways and wants people and 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 it kind of causes people to get very like starry-eyed about the future in a way that like the entertainment industry like doesn't right like the entertainment industry is kind of like 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 movies and television there's a lot of looking to the past and a lot of saying like oh the, uh, you know i want to make this movie like a classic spielberg movie or like a classic whatever but like video games are always talking about like the future in a way Right. And so there isn't that same sort of, I mean, and they're even talking about it in terms of like one another, right? Like, you know, on my Twitter right now. So, okay. Uh, so the other day you linked in one of our Facebook chats about a set of leaks on 4chan. And in those leaks, they talked a bit about how um, the. Uh, in those leaks, it talked a little bit about how, like, in the WoW um, team, you literally cannot mention. Final Fantasy 14 anymore. It's just like a completely taboo subject that'll it'll get shut down. You're not allowed to you're just like not allowed to mention or talk about this stuff. And I'm looking at a at a Twitter thread from a guy who left Blizzard not too long ago, you know, earlier this year, who basically said, "Listen, I I understand that leak is going around, but there is nothing but that it, it, that could not be less true right we are constantly looking to what other people in our space are doing and learning from them and pulling from them and i think that that's like that's the forward reaching possibilities sort of thing right like you don't look at the other company as like competition right you don't look at them as someone who is to be you know like 
who who with 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 sort of jealousy there's this sort of idea that everybody's like fighting for the future in a way and you're willing to take their ideas and integrate it into your product as soon as it demo- as soon as they demonstrate that their ideas are like good and i feel like that that's pretty true of <coughs> a lot of like the sort of like tech spaces that i've seen right if you work at apple or you work at google or you look at whatever right like there isn't a lot of like intra you know, like intra-company competition in the way that there is quite literally cutthroat competition between like Disney and DreamWorks. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, there is, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I get that. Um, it's interesting. I, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll we'll see where it goes. I I, I kind of feel like we're we're kind of at the end of this subject, though. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. Um. Uh, so, uh, how was your week? I guess. How was my week? Uh, what did I do this week? I mean, basically, all this week I've been doing is like sitting at Blizz at, on BlizzCon leaks, and it's I. It's it's bad, but it's like it's like it's like drugs basically. I think I want to get to see this stuff at BlizzCon in a couple of days, right? But I am also insanely hyped for this stuff and I just want to know what is coming so bad that I'm like addicted to these leaks. And so, uh that's that's like the defining characteristic of my of uh of my week. It's funny because, like, everybody's dunking on Blizzard for obvious reasons um, right now. But uh, but that also has kind of, like, filtered into the leaks as well, right? Like, people are leaking things about BlizzCon to, like, shit on Blizzard and, like, the free Hong Kong stuff. So, Yeah. That's 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 certainly uh, a a thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like so, for instance, you know, like people have been talking about like the Overwatch two announcement. Or I'm like, I'm looking at a tweet that says this. It says, "Yeah, Overwatch two is happening." But hey, remember that time like a week ago when Activision Blizzard banned a guy for saying "Free Hong Kong"? Not trying to say this is damage control, but this is definitely damage control. Which, you know, I'm a little like, <laughs> they made plans on what they were and we're not going to release. Uh, probably a lot longer than you know that they were going to announce at blizzcon we knew that they were going to announce overwatch 2 at blizzcon from jason schreier reporting in august or not in august i mean in um in july so that's also like not a thing but it's like it is simultaneously a top priority for people to talk about and something that people are constantly like dunking on which is probably like the worst space you want to be in if you're like a game company like you really wish that you were like 2k games or something and nobody was caring what you were what you were doing and what you were pushing out but uh to have there be a really negative press cycle right in front of blizzcon is probably not not the greatest yeah no that 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 makes that makes absolutely a lot of sense i wouldn't i wouldn't want to be in that position either if i were if i were uh what's it called if i were, if i were blizzard um have you have you seen any any interesting leaks you want to talk about okay so this is going to be very heavy spoilers um so just fair fair warning the cool thing that that i saw is that last week there was a leak that was confirmed fake right and the leak was bull which was like a heavily done 
Bolvar Lich King with this like super cool like hammer thing with like a big ass skull on it and it's like glowing orange or whatever. Um, and he's getting and he like he's walking away from the frozen throne or whatever. Uh, that leak was at first confirmed fake because of like JPEG artifacts. There's a lot of that this kind of stuff where like. Um, you know, people will stitch things together in uh, in Photoshop, export it as a JPEG, and then you can kind of like dig into the the the, the file to see where that stitching is. Um, and so everybody thought it was fake, but then today Blizzard released uh, the it's called the Blink Store. And it's just like the BlizzCon store. Something that you can do at BlizzCon is if you're going to buy like the merch, like the t-shirts or something like that, you can buy that stuff online and just walk to the counter and give them your name and they'll pull all of your shit instead of like, you know, saying, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that kind of thing. Um, and if, and on, and one of the things that they have is a big poster of Anixia, right? Uh, for World of Warcraft Classic. Well, if you change in the file name, or I'm sorry, in the, in the uh, address path, um, Anixia to Bolvar, it brings up that same image of Bolvar with the giant hammer that looked so cool like a week ago. So everybody freaked out because, like, the resounding thing about that leak, which was, which was like, said to be fake at the time, the resounding thing about that leak is everyone was like, oh, this is so cool. I really wish that they would do this. Ah, it's a shame. It's fake, though. So to, to, get, a, to get a slight confirmation that they're doing it... Boy, is that fucking neato. Uh, <laughs> though, again, people have been making the very same... Like, so, for instance, people have been saying, in case of bad expansion, break glass, and the first one was Illidan, and now they're doing the Lich King, <laughs> or whatever, which, you know, again, doesn't make a ton of sense, you know, but it's funny memes, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I mean... There's... I also think, you know, I also think, for the record, the... It's not like they're redoing Arthas, right? Like, Arthas's journey is fundamentally complete. He is dead and gone. Um, this is obviously Bolvar, who is, you know, we always kind of knew there was going to be a future for Bolvar, and it is less of an asshole than Illidan was. And I, you know, and I loved Legion and everything, right? But, like, boy, was fucking Illidan an asshole for those guys. Uh, I mean, I, f- I feel like how much, you know, you, know, you, you telling me that, that this, like, According to like you know, whatever minor amount of forensic analysis was done is a uh, uh, is like a is kind of cobbled together. Makes me think that like maybe it wasn't exactly in case of emergency break glass, but maybe there's an element of truth to that. And the other part of this too is like you say there's no more Arthas, but if I remember my lore correctly, everybody who was the Lich King kind of sticks around in the back of whoever's mind, right? So like if they really wanted to, they could probably pull it out of Bolvar if they wanted to. Right, uh, like. you know, maybe there's there's a bit of it in the image. So okay, so one of the defining characters. So the, here, okay, here's a crash course on Lich King lore a little bit. Can, can um, you send me this image? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'll send you the image real quick. Um, so the uh, the thing about Bolvar, is, or you know what? I'll just uh, it's at the top of MMO Champions. So I'll just send you that. Um, so the thing about Bolvar is that the Lich King was always defined by like icy blue eyes under the, he- the that helm. And the helm is called the Helm of Domination. Wearing the helm gives you control over the Scourge, right? Which is all of the undead sort of like confederated under the control of the Lich King, the person who wears the Helm of Domination. It became clear 
over the course of Wrath of the Lich King that there must always be a Lich King, right? Like, that's something that got said. It also got, like, memed or whatever, right? So what initially everybody thought was going to happen was that Tyrion Forgering was going to become the new Lich King. You go, you battle through Ice Crown Citadel, you kill Arthas, and then Tyrion takes the Helm of Domination and puts it on his head so that the Scourge don't just, like, go buck wild, right? There is some some control to them. Um but what ended up happening is the Lich King was torturing Bolvar, and Bolvar is the person who put the uh, who put the helm on his head. Now the Lich King was torturing Bolvar because we all thought Bolvar was dead when Alex Straza breathed fire over uh, the Lich King's forces in a big battle called the Battle at the Wrathgate. Um, and uh, and when that happened, everybody thought Bolvar was dead, but like. Alex Straza is the dragon aspect of life, and so he was burned, but he still lived through it, and then he was captured by, like, by the Lich King. So, like, his armor is, like, burned into his flesh, and he has, like, this, like, his eyes glow yellow from the fire, or, like, orange or whatever. So when he puts on the Lich King's helm, the Helm of Domination, that blue turned to orange. Now, in the photo that we have... His eyes are blue. So, hypothetically, maybe there is... uh, (coughs) Excuse me. So, hypothetically, maybe there is some truth to, like, the Arthas returns or something. Because the eyes in the picture are blue and not orange. Um, But... I think that's kind of uh, that's kind of unlikely. There are a couple of pieces of um, there are a couple of pieces of lore that suggest that both Arthas and Nerzul, Nerzul being the original Lich King, uh, are both dead because of the shattering of Frostmourne. Um, Arthas and Nerzul fused together. Uh, when they, this is at the end of Warcraft Three, right? Arthas is not the Lich King yet, but he wields Frostmourne. And he is uh, the Lich King's most powerful Death Knight. And the whole thing was about Arthas making it to the Frozen Throne and putting on the Helm of Domination so that uh, Arthas and Ner'zhul could fuse into one being, that being being the Lich King. That tied together both Arthas, Arthas and Ner'zhul to Arthas' Runeblade, which was Frostborn, which was famously shattered on the top of the Frozen Throne by Ashbringer. So Arthas is dead dead. Ner'zhul is dead dead. Uh, that should just be Bolfar. Um, the thing is that, is that this also probably comes as a part of, like, greater Shadowlands speculation and, and leaks. Um, essentially, uh, the Shadowlands are the death equivalent to the Emerald Dream, right? The Emerald Dream was created as this sort of, like, phase-shifted version of Azeroth that, that's about uh, the power of life, right? So, like, druids and shit get, like, their power from the Emerald Dream. The Emerald Dream has a sort of mirror opposite, which is the Shadowlands, which is, like, the black-and-white place you go when you die. Technically, in World of Warcraft, like, there is lore to the fact that the your main, char- your main character dies all the time. Uh, your soul is immortal. You die, you go to the Shadowlands, you run to your spirit, and then reconnect with your body and pop up again, right? That's the, you know, very lazy sort of loose lore for how that sort of, like, takes place. But hypothetically speaking, we have seen, you know, that that kind of, like, spirit underworld to the Shadowlands uh, before. Sylvanas is very tied to the Shadowlands uh, for obvious reasons because, you know, she is 
the Banshee Queen, very powerful undead uh, who wields the power of the Valkyr. Um, other characters like Helia is is tied to the Shadowlands. Odin is also tied to the Shadowlands. Odin banished Helia to the Shadowlands, and then she steals people to join the Cavaldier. She steals Rykul to join the Cavaldier. Um, so all that stuff is Shadowlands. If um, in Legion, when you take the portal and you go to that like other worlds where uh where you end up fighting Helia in the trial of valor raid uh that's all that's all shadowlands stuff odin can see into the shadowlands because he traded an eye uh to some being to give him sight into the shadowlands so he can see what goes on in the shadowlands at all times um there's a lot of stuff going on there oh also bonsamdi and stuff uh there's a lot of that stuff kind of going on on there my tinfoil hat and what i really hope is happening what i hope to fucking god is happening uh in the next expansion is that um whatever sylvanas is doing in the shadowlands is like needs to be addressed by the horde and the alliance uh and so the Alliance team up with the Lich King and the Horde team up with Bonsamdi in order to kind of bridge that gap. Uh, they have seeded this stuff over the course of Battle for Azeroth because Bolvar Fordring's secret daughter, Talia, is discovered in Kul Tiris and is a main part of the Kul Tiris quest line, right? Um, which gives her the tie to Bolvar. Uh, and then obviously there's all that stuff that happens with Bonsamdi, Rastakhan, and Princess Talanji, who is now bound to uh bound to bonsamdi in the shadowlands so yes my hope is that that crazy tinfoil hat becomes a thing and we fucking team up with the lich king and go into the shadowlands because that would be so fucking nuts but honestly i'm just like hype as fuck for this you know for this image with the you know with the shattered tube of ice and that super awesome hammer yeah no it it, it definitely sounds neat um minor lore question who was who was sitting the the frozen throne before Arthas put the helmet on? Was is that Ner'zhul. like what? So Ner'zhul was. I thought Ner'zhul was dead though. Yeah, so that so that's what happened. Ner'zhul was literally torn asunder by the twisting nether, but Kil'jaeden preserved his spirit and infused his spirit into a block uh, of ice with the uh, the Lich King armor, right? Like, he was essentially kind oh, of, like, right. yeah, yeah. bound yeah. as a spirit to that Lich King armor and the Helm of Domination and in that ice, and then they, they threw that to Azeroth, to Northrend, to start the Scourge invasion that would eventually set the stage for Warcraft 3. Uh, so it was Ner'zhul alone who was controlling things, but the Scourge was less powerful in Warcraft 3 because it was just Ner'zhul and he didn't have a real body. Um, and so him fusing with Arthas at the end of Warcraft 3, the Frozen Throne, represented a much more powerful incarnation of the Lich King, um, because the combination of the Runeblade Frostmourne and uh, the Helm of Domination and Ner'zhul uh, made for just a more powerful Scourge. It's kind of like saying the Scourge could have 100,000 soldiers and now they could have a million soldiers, which is why the Wrath of the Lich King... It took it took Arthas and Ner'zhul four years to fuse. Arthas sits on the Frozen Throne, a big block of ice covers him, right? Um, and during that time is the process when their two souls fuse together. Uh, and then he breaks out of the frozen throne and raises Sindragosa in the cinematic for uh, in the cinematic for Wrath of the Lich King, and that signals the beginning of the true Scourge invasion, where he invades uh, Azeroth and Kalimdor. This is all in a pre-expansion event. It's actually very famous for being super cool and super fun. Um, 
And then, yeah, I actually remember that because there was that raid that was like flying in the desert, right? Like, I think it was playing when this happened. That was right? Wasn't flying it? in the desert? You wouldn't have been what? able to fly in the desert. So that was Legion. No, 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 not not like that. You were actually flying. Like, wasn't wasn't like there a raid that was like you you didn't fly to it, but there was like a like a temple in the sky somewhere. Or am I am I crazy? I don't remember. Well, so so what this was is um, there were. Uh, it was an attack on Orgrimmar, an attack on and an attack on Stormwind, um, and it was kind of a little bit like the blood uh, curse thing that Hakkar did because you would be fighting guys, and when you took a certain amount of damage, you would get a debuff, and then the debuff would slowly tick away and kill you. It's like a zombification thing; it would slowly tick away and kill you. But when it killed you, it turned you into a ghoul, and then you fought on behalf of the scourge and you would go and you would fight in a PVP sense, like other players. And when you dealt damage to them, they would become infected. They would slowly die. Um, and they just like, you know, it went over Stormwind. It was like, it was, it was a cool thing at the time. Uh, I don't remember anything. I didn't play during this. I just heard about it. So you might have played and there might've been like a raid in the desert or something kind of along those lines. Uh, I couldn't say one way or the other, but maybe um, it wasn't in the desert. I just, I, I, th- I thought it was like the, like the, it was essentially the same kind of structure that, like, the Death Knight headquarters is in. I thought, like, one of those was around, like... Oh, gotcha. Yeah, like those floating necropolis things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. be wrong I mean, about maybe. that, uh, I, I, I might also be confusing with, like, Encourage or something. Yeah, um, I, and they do this, you know, almost... Like, for instance, the Legion yeah. pre-event was certain zones would come under attack by, like, Legion forces, and you would go have to, like, fight those Legion forces. They did another one that was about attacking elements uh, in Cataclysm. Right, like elementals would spawn, and I think you like killed enough elementals, and you took a portal, and it would take you to a very small instanced boss area, um, where you like fought a big elite, you know, guy or whatever. They've done this for like all of the all of the expansions essentially. Um, but uh, but so yeah, so that is how the Lich King became uh, the Lich King. They like fused together at the top of the Frozen Throne, which gave them much more bandwidth in order to you know. Uh, control the scourge and you know unleash it onto onto the whole of Azeroth. There's a lot of people actually that say that the Lich King is the most powerful being in Azeroth. Like even in the ICC uh, Arthas fight, the whole thing is a Xanatos gambit. Um, what Arthas was trying to do was find the most powerful champions in Azeroth so that he could kill them all and uh, and raise them as his like elite Death Knight force to like finally conquer the planet. Um, and the only reason that doesn't happen is because Tyrion, like, beseeches the light for, like, one final miraculous gift, and Ashbringer shatters Frostmourne, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've basically just been playing Magic the Gathering. Um, oh. Well, you, you haven't been playing the Outer Worlds. I'm, I am really I, so interested I, to hear about the Outer Worlds. Okay, so before I get to the Outer Worlds, I played that for one night. I just haven't had time because of other things. But oh, okay. um, well, we we also might. I'm gonna. I'm you know. I'm picking it up and I'm gonna start playing it over the course of this week. So maybe this is something we can make into our own podcast. Do a little preview now. That, that would that would be good. Um, but first, um, I want to talk about a movie and a book that I read, which are the same thing. They're called Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> And they are very good, and I highly recommend them to anybody. Um, they're basically the same thing. There's like a little bit more in the book, but I honestly think the movie was was a better job. It's directed by Terry Gilliam. I did not realize this beforehand. 
um, stars Johnny Depp and Benicio del Toro, and uh, for a very small part of it, Tobey Maguire, four years before Spider Man, and that was very puzzling because I looked at that, I was like, is that Tobey Maguire? And yes, it was Tobey Maguire. Um, but it's very strange. It's very psychedelic. It's very kind of hard to parse, but I think it's very good. I highly recommend it um, in both forms, like I said. But I think that, like, I listened to the audiobook on double speed and it took me three hours, and the movie is two hours. So, you know, it's kind of six to one, half dozen of another. Um, but, you know, it's a very classic thing, right? Like, it's famously written by Hunter S. Thompson under kind of the pseudonym of Raoul Duke. Um, Hunter S. Thompson actually has a cameo in the movie as an older version of Raoul Duke, who's played by Johnny Depp for most of the movie. Um, uh, but yeah, I uh, just wanted to shout that out real quick just because I thought it was it was, it was was a delight. I really like Terry Gilliam's stuff. Um, I believe at one point I messaged you that we should do a Terry Gilliam canon episode. It, you know, it's just, we keep making plans for more future episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but uh, Outer Worlds. So Outer Worlds, I got on release day. I played all night. I only played that one night just because I haven't had the time yet. But I got past kind of like the first world. And uh, it plays almost exactly like... Uh, but like a Bethesda game, but like without a lot of the jank, and it's also not as quite as quite as open, right? Like it doesn't feel, you know, like you get some of that, like oh, I could just walk in a direction and find a bunch of stuff. And it's not quite that big; it's a lot smaller. Um, but like you still kind of get parts of that, right? Like you stumble across and you're like, oh, this is this is really cool. Um, and so while it doesn't have the scope of say a Fallout New Vegas or like a you know, Fallout 4, it definitely kind of has that same kind of, uh, I'm going to say oeuvre, I don't know if that's quite right, but like, it definitely gave me those the same feelings, and I think the systems are just a lot cleaner than they were in any of the Bethesda games, so I'm really enjoying it, um, like, I, like my lack of playing it has just kind of been time constraints, you know, as, as you were saying earlier, as we, as we get older and become real adults, it's harder to find time for all the things we want to do, um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's a ton of fun um i i gotta say i i highly recommend it i don't like i don't know if i might go, go into it too much more especially if if we are going to do an episode on it. i think that's definitely worthwhile but uh um i'll just say that i think it's good i highly recommend it to any of our, our listeners who want to who want to go play it um uh yeah i mean it, it's just like a classic rpg like in in it's got like a, a it's basically, I want to, if, basically filled the hole in my heart that, like, Skyrim for 72 different platforms couldn't at some point. So, um, yeah. I, I don't Do you have any questions about it? Uh, so, you, when you say it's not quite as open, do you, does, does that mean, like, in a story sense, it's, like, more linear and you feel, like, more directed place to place? Um, just that there's less content. Um, and, yeah, that, that's kind of what that practically comes down to, like... There's just not as much room, although it seems like if – so friend of the cast, Nick, has been playing more than I have. And it seems like maybe it opens up after that first planet. That first planet has like four or five areas and you kind of have to visit all of them. And like there's like a couple of areas in the middle that you could just randomly go to. But like they're not, it's not like in, in like Fallout or Skyrim where you can just like kind of walk in a direction and there's like a bunch of stuff before you hit an invisible wall. It's a bit smaller than that. Um uh, so like at some point you'll kind of run into like kind of like like the illusion of infinite openness holds together for a lot less long than it does in uh in like say Skyrim. Gotcha. But 
Um, and I think that's just kind of like a matter of scale, right? Like the game isn't as like, you know, it's, they, they were very quick to be like, it, look, it's just not going to be as big as some of these other games. And so, um, I think it's fair. I think the combat system, I think like the, the general goodness of the combat systems and whatnot make up for that. Um, so I, I still think it's good on balance. It's just, you know, it is what it is, right? Like you, there's only, there's only so much you can do. And, and, uh, I, I don't feel like it's, it's, it's obviously like if I were to see an Outer Worlds two, I would want it to be of that scope. But like for a studio the size of Obsidian, um, I'm, I'm I'm happy with it at least for now. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I get that. Um. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. That. that uh, I've been playing a lot of Magic too. Okay. Tell me all about. Tell me all about Magic. Do you know the answer? To, so uh, I asked a question of our Magic friends earlier today um, about. Whether Pioneer? or not Magic has has ever had uh, like an expansion whose story was determined by the the players, and I vaguely remember that being the case with uh, Phyrexia slash New Phyrexia slash Mirrodin Reforged or something. That's what it was called. Um, yeah. I am I am not super aware. Um, I do know that recently um, in one in one of these kind of commute podcasts that Mark Rosewater does that a lot of the story stuff. Um, like like the overarching details of the story get get put in before the expansion comes out, but like the books and whatnot, they're all written kind of like simultaneously slash partly after. So like you know, uh, like he said, like there are sometimes you get like really iconic characters in the books that aren't represented by a card, and that's just because um, you know that that character got written after we had made the set of cards. So um, I feel like that would be tough to do in their kind of cycle. Although it wouldn't be impossible, of course, right? Like they'd have to, um, they'd have to, uh, they, they could see that. But um, uh, I know that Mark Rosewater is that like, it's it's a tough thing to do. Um, some like like anything that involves community interaction is a tough thing to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, uh, so the new Hearthstone expansion got released not released got teased today in like a one minute trailer um and uh, and it heavily implies that the winner slash loser of the kind of ongoing story for the so essentially the story started this year with the bad guys get together and make um the uh and steal dalaran right you know arch villain rafam uh dr boom hagatha the witch uh king togwaggle uh, and Madame Lazul from Wrath of the or uh, 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 Whispers of the Old Gods all got together and they hijack Dalaran. Um, then the Saviors of Old Doom is about the League of Explorers showing up to fight the League of Evil. Uh, so that's Elise Reno, Brand Bronzebeard, and Sir Finley Mergleton. Uh, and the final expansion seems to suggest that whether one side or the other loses uh, or wins is depending on the player base, which I think is, like, fucking neat as shit. Uh, but also, like, how does how, do, how does that work? How's that, how's that going to work? And so I'm very interested to kind of, like, see how that all plays out. <laughs> yeah, no, that, 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 sound, that sounds pretty awesome. Um, I'm interested to see how, like how it works too because like this this is like a thing that's like obviously much easier to do with electron right like when magic magic has been only paper for 
a lot or like mainly paper for a long time and it might even still be right like i'm not sure how popular mtg arena is um but it's hard to like gather stats on that kind of thing uh for an event um in paper whereas in uh like you'd probably want to do that as like a like a tournament or something right like the winner of the tournament gets to decide or something if you were going to do it in real life oh you can do yeah, so what I what I expect them to be doing is something that just like tracks the online. You know what I mean? Like right, maybe the, the solo adventure. Oh, I'm that, oh, the, I get, oh, you're talking about magic. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like <laughs> you would have to do it that way because you know what are you going to do? Like have every shop that does Friday night magic send in their aggregate stats on like what types of deck won, right? right? Like, um, uh, so you know th- this this seems like a good leveraging of, of the computer stuff. Mm-hmm. So. That makes a lot of sense. That, that sounds really, really cool. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm. Uh, I think, that, I think it's going to be something about the the image has dragon blight in there, which has the dead dragon, who is the progenitor dragon of all dragons, called Galkarond. Um, in the middle of the dragon blight, there's just this giant graveyard, and it's his dead, uh, and it's his dead body, um, his skeleton. So I, I think maybe there will be some like craziness with the League of Eagles trying to like raise Galkarond or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, no, makes 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 sense. Um, before we we go, I do want to point out that while while we were talking, I looked it up. The original Nax Ramus was a forty man instance ray floating above the eastern plaguelands, and it was a massive necropolis. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, that was the last raid in Classic or Vanilla. Uh, it was the last raid in BC, I believe. Nax? No, Nax. No, 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 no. You're right. It was it was, it was last raid in Classic, which would make sense why I remembered it because I was playing. As a transition between Classic and BC. So, yeah. Yep, that makes total sense. So, I wasn't crazy. I remembered things. I was not playing at the transition between BC and Wrath. So, the more you know. Um, uh, did you have anything else you want to talk about or should I, or should I uh, uh, uh No, I, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about when it comes to uh, the the stuff that gets announced on uh, oh, BlizzCon next weekend, because yeah. yeah, because I'll be there. So, uh, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah. Uh, so just to kind of uh, wrap it up, uh, if you'd like to email us about what uh, anything we've talked about on this podcast, including uh, the birth of subscription place based models or World of Warcraft or any other things, you can reach us at podcast.sundersplaygames.com or sundersplaygames at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us at uh, twitch.tv slash sundersplaygames, which you haven't really streamed to in a while, but, you know, maybe someday. Um, and uh, you can like us and review us on any of the podcast services and donate to us on Patreon if you're if you're feeling up to it. Um, that's uh, everything I had. Uh, did you have anything else you want to promote before we close this out? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.